I'm Dr. Chris Meyer. This is the Negotiation Innovation Podcast. Every week, I'm going to add to your knowledge base about human interaction. We'll look at motivation, we'll look at emotion, and we'll look at decision-making, all within the context of negotiations. This is going to improve your life both organizationally and outside of the organization. Let's go. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It is Labor Day weekend while I'm recording this, and officially or unofficially or however you want to put it, uh, essentially the end of summer. So kids are back in school. They're masked up. They are social distanced. They are uh, involved in a lot of strange new ways of doing school. I'm back in the classroom, albeit with fewer in the classroom with me. But it's good to have some of the things back that we were missing at the end of last semester. Some of the things back that uh, make us feel more like things are going the way they should be going. Although we still have to be very safe. We still have to be very cautious. I think that that is a small price to pay for what we do in this world. Every time I get into the car, I put on a seatbelt. Every time I get on the motorcycle, I put on a helmet. And I think that understanding that every time I go into a building, I put on a mask is pretty much the same kind of safety. So that safety is uh, an important thing. But uh, podcast isn't about safety. Um, It's just on my mind as we enter these first days of the school year. What is on my mind is my air conditioning. It may be the end of summer, but in Texas, that means it's only, you know, 98 degrees instead of 104 degrees. So it's still hot. And my air conditioner is broken. And so as I sit here in my home office and sweat, oh, and I'm always in my home office because of the pandemic, because of COVID. So as I sit here in my home office and sweat, with no air conditioning, I was thinking about some of the conditions. Um, As soon as the air conditioner broke, I knew who I was going to call. I knew who I was going to ask to fix it. Now, if you've ever been in this situation, something breaks, something needs to be fixed, something needs to be done, and I know you have been in this position, what's the first thing that you do if you've got someone, if you know someone, and I know someone, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. It was an easy call to make. I made a call, left a voicemail. Ten minutes later, I got a call back. Hey, Chris, I can be there tomorrow morning. On the weekend? Yeah, on the weekend. It's great. It's a trust that I have with this person. And he came and he looked, and he told me what was wrong. Unfortunately, I have to wait until 
things open up on Tuesday to get a part, but I know it will be fixed, and I know it will be fixed right and for the right price. And that trust, that trust is really valuable. That trust means that I'm willing to wait until Tuesday. I'm willing to wait through a long weekend of heat and humidity. I'm going to wait because I have some trust. And so that made me think of these three questions that we're going to cover in this podcast. Where does trust come from? How do we build trust? And how do we maintain trust? And I think that these are really key to think about in our interactions. When we go into a negotiation, we need to have a clear idea about this so that we know how our decisions are made, so that we know what helps us to understand. Are we willing to wait until Tuesday? Are we willing to sweat through the weekend because of this trust? So where does trust come from? There are three things that I want to talk about here. You can see my theme. I have a lot of threes going on. So the first, trust is built over time. Everyone knows this, right? If you have continued interactions with someone, if you have consistent experiences with someone. So we can't have continued interactions. And one time we get a great outcome. One time we get a terrible outcome. One time when someone comes to fix your air conditioner, you talk to the neighbors afterwards and they go, man, they bamboozled you. They sold you something that you didn't need. We have to have consistent experiences. That means we have to work with consistent people. We have to work with the same people over time. And it can be a good or a bad thing, right? It, it, it can be. I, I have had bosses in the past that I knew how they were going to react, and I knew it was going to be a negative. That's a form of trust. If I know that I go and present something to a boss, and it's going to be a negative, I can trust in that reaction. So understanding that, we need to think about those that we're involved with, those that we're choosing to interact with, and how we leverage those long-term relationships to better understand and better trust what's going to happen. We don't always have that luxury of trust building over time. So another place that trust comes from is quick trust. And we get this from recommendations from others. We get this from reading reviews. It's one of the reasons why Amazon is so successful, because they allow you to build quick trust by looking at what others say about a product. It's a really important thing to understand. That's why Yelp exists. That's why so many other resources exist. Every time I go to the dentist, I get a survey afterwards asking me to rate them and then put it out on the internet. Yeah, it was, it, it was a great time in the dentist chair having my teeth scraped. But these are important. The third and final place 
that trust comes from is from proxies for trust. So this is why we write contracts. This is why we build contingencies into our negotiations. If we have a contingency that says, if you do this, then I will do this, that takes the place of trust. I don't have to worry so much if you will complete what I've asked you to complete, because if you don't, I don't have to complete what I've said I will complete. The same goes with contracts. People can be in breach of contract, and then if people are in breach of contract, we can go through the terrible process of uh, a court situation to resolve that. But I don't have to trust anymore because I have that proxy for trust. So within our negotiations, within our interactions, those are the three main places where trust comes from. Now, how do we build that trust? That's the next important section here. So if we're talking about building trust over time, some of the things that we need to do, and I think that this is really important for you to think about in your interactions. I want you to pause and think about your interactions. I want you to really be analytical about this. So in order to build trust over time, we need to be consistent. Consistent in the things we do, consistent in the things we say, consistent with what we've published, what we've produced previously. One of the things that I do when I teach a class is I produce a document called a syllabus. Everyone knows what a syllabus is, right? A syllabus is the rules of engagement for the class. If you go through the syllabus, there's a lot of legalistic looking stuff that says if you're late, if your work is late, if you come to class, etc., etc., And you go through and you read those rules. Now, if I enforce those inconsistently, if it says late work will receive this penalty, and I go through and I pick and choose who will receive that penalty and who will just, ah, we'll let it slide, that inconsistency destroys the trust that I have. I have to speak. I have to act consistently with what's out there about who I am and how the interaction is going to go. I also need to be transparent. If I want people to trust what I say, I need to be transparent in what I say. I can't hide things, obfuscate things. If somebody asks me a question that I can't answer because it's not something that I should share from an organizational standpoint, I am very transparent in saying that is not something that I should share from an organizational standpoint. If it's something that I know about what's going on in the organization that I have been asked by my superiors, don't reveal this information, I will say that is a strategic piece of information, and I'm not going to let you know that. I'm sure that you have strategic pieces of information that you're holding back from me as well. That's fine. As long as we're transparent about that and transparent about our interaction, then we don't destroy the trust that we're working to build. We also need to find partners that are willing to be transparent with us and to be consistent in their 
words, and their actions. So if we're doing business with people that are untrustworthy, we can't expect to build trust with them, even after a long amount of time. So that's important. When we're trying to build quick trust, which is the second item, we have to make sure that we're using quality recommendations. We have to find people that have had firsthand experience with the others that we're asking about. We can't use rumor. We can't use fourth-hand information. So-and-so told me that so-and-so told them that so-and-so was not trustworthy. Well, that doesn't work. We need to have first-hand information, not rumor. We need to find people that are consistent, that are transparent, that are the type of partners that we want to have. We need to use them for their recommendations for quick trust. We need to be picky about the reviews and the reviewers that we use to build our quick trust. Not just anyone, not just someone that we run across, somebody who posts something on a website. Uh, One of the things that I do when I go through an Amazon product and look at all the reviews, the first thing that I do is I go to the one-star reviews. Because if there's eight one-star reviews and 57 five-star reviews, I can probably learn more from those one-star reviews. And I look and I see, are these people reliable? Or are they just complaining because they ordered the wrong thing? And now they're angry. So, and believe me, if you read those one-star reviews, you'll know if they're trustworthy or not. So take a look at those. And finally, when we're building trust through proxies, we've got to make sure that we're using good contingencies. Our contingencies need to engender the type of behavior, engender the type of response that we're looking for. Use your contingencies in your negotiations to move people towards success, not to punish them for failure. We want contingencies that get people moving in the right direction, that, that build success for all involved. And the same goes with our contracts. Don't use crazy legalistic contracts that are meant to obfuscate and really make it difficult to get to an outcome. Use contracts that move people towards success. Use contracts that you would be happy to read, that you would be happy to see, that you would be happy to understand. I know the attorneys want to put in a lot of legal language, and that's fine. It is not a bad thing. The legal language is necessary, but don't make it di- uh, don't make it unduly difficult. All right. Now that we know where trust comes from and we know how to build it, let's finish up with how do we maintain this trust. Over time, remember one of the ways that we get trust is over time. I can't stress enough how important it is to be consistent. Can't stress enough how important it is to do what you say, say what you do, write it down. Everything should reflect back to that. 
We live in a very connected world, and people can very easily spot inconsistencies. Don't make that mistake. Be consistent. Okay, how do we maintain that quick trust? One of the features of quick trust is that it is just that quick. It comes in, we use it, we move on. So what we want to do is we want to maintain it by building it into that long-term trust. Let every interaction of quick trust be consistent. Let every interaction of quick, quick trust build people into having that long-term trust. It's critical. The same thing goes with proxies. Don't violate the conditions. Don't look for ways out of your contingencies. Don't use it as a threat. We want these to be clear. We want people to believe in our proxies. That's how we maintain those. So if we start violating them or if we look for loopholes or if we look for ways around, it's going to destroy that trust. And everyone knows once we destroy trust, it's really difficult to get that trust back. Once trust is destroyed, you have to work much harder to rebuild it. So what we want to do is we want to start out with an idea about where that trust is built from. We want to know how to keep building it into more trust and maintaining that in the future. And that's going to impact your interactions positively. It's going to make things better in all of these interactions that you're having. Thanks for listening to the Negotiation Innovation Podcast. I would appreciate it if you would subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that I can reach a wider audience. You can find more information about these ideas on my website at meyernegotiation.com. Thanks. See you next time.